Hi, it's Jeff, host of the podcast. Imagine a world where planning your books is as fun as writing them, where plotters plot in heroic harmony and pantsers organize without overwhelm. Here's the thing, that world exists. Plotters and pantsers alike love the visual outlining and story Bible software Plotter, now available both online and as a web app. Named the number one outlining app for productivity by Kindlepreneur, Plotter turns outlining and organizing your books into the creative process it's supposed to Visit plotter.com slash rw today. That's p-l-o-t-t-r dot com slash rw today. And experience the difference yourself. Welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is A.K. Fraley, author of the novel Old Earth Melchior Encounter. A.K., welcome to the podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Sure. Well, if someone listening hasn't yet heard about your new novel, Old Earth Melchior Encounter, how would you describe the novel? Well, it's a fifth in the Old Earth Encounter series. And the story originally starts way back in primeval history with Old Earth Aram Encounter, which is in the land of Ur before really recorded history. And it works its way for the thir- first three novels, Aram, Ishtar, and Neb, through that epoch of human history. Then it jumps into Georgios, which is the first century Britain and the Celtic lands there. And there's a whole story with him. He is a you know, a descendant of the first generations that we talk about. And then Melchior is in the fifth century. So he's another leap in the human trajectory of history and cultural advancements, events, and all of that. So Melchior is a man who's living in Britain right after the Romans have left. He's a landowner who has become impoverished because the, you know, it's a time of kings and conquests and uh, Anglos and Saxons and the warring parties. And so it's a combination of a man's story, raising his family as a widow, uh, trying to hold his bit of land together in a world of conquest, dealing with the king who's in a serper, and then also at the same time, a man who's who's lost family, who's suffered uh, personal loss, and then his son is accused of murder. And it's a whodunit, who really did this crime, who committed this murder. So there's a bit of a mystery. There's also a bit of romance in that his daughter is approached for marriage by one of the landowners, the king himself, and she doesn't want to. So what does what does a a, a good woman do in this situation? <laughs> so uh, it's it's a combination of historical. Uh, fiction, and then there's the whole science fiction aspect that is continued on through the whole five books of a watching universe who's evaluating humanity's growth and development because, of course, they're hidden uh, from us, and they know that, but some of them want to reap the benefits of the planet Earth, and do they have the right to do that yet? Is humanity worth being protected? And so there's a bit of a, uh, a struggle going on between the alien forces there. So it's a, 
it's a multidimensional story, but it culminates in Old Earth Melchior Encounter. Well, I'm curious, do you remember the original idea or impetus that led you to write the Old Earth series and now your latest novel, Old Earth Melchior Encounter? Um, well, the original story was just historical fiction. When I first wrote the original three, actually the original five, I wrote them as only historical fiction novels. And it was basically, I was looking at how does humanity deal with death? How does humanity deal with the unknown, the supernatural, uh, the formation of religion, this idea of a one God? Where did that come from? And how did people you know, react to that, not only personally, but culturally and society? Um, how does that play out in the long view? So that was the original struggle. And it wasn't so much me telling anybody, this is, this is how it looks, or this is how it's supposed to be. But more a what if, if this family lived and they had to deal with these, you know, wars, death, pestilence, uh, just the tragedies of, of life, how do they handle that? And as they develop, how do they systemize that? And how about the people who are slave raiders and don't care and they want to get as much as they can get? So that's the original stories. Now, in 2016, I went back, I looked at the story and I thought, uh, I could do better. And I got a master's degree in uh, creative writing for entertainment through Full Sail University. And their emphasis was very much on storytelling for the movie and television medium, which made me start to look at science fiction and how to retell the story, but from a wider perspective. So I rewrote the originals, the original five stories, and I brought them into a science fiction world where they're not alone. Humanity probably has never been alone, and yet how would we look from the outside? So that's kind of where it developed from the original. Well, what was your initial writing journey that led you to writing your first stories and getting your first novel published? Well, the very beginning, uh, actually, my husband and I had both lived in cities, and we moved out to the Midwest, and we started having children, and I, we both were educators, and we decided to homeschool. And in that homeschooling journey, I, as a Catholic, loved, well, my husband actually was the one who got me into it, was the Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and all of that, all of Tolkien's works. So I started reading those and reading them to the kids and talking about how characters symbolize for us our journey, our experiences, our vices, our virtues, and all of that. So my husband said, you know, you're, you're doing some pretty interesting stuff here. Why don't you put that in a book? So I did, and it's a nonfiction work. It's called The Road Goes Ever On, A Christian Journey Through the Lord of the Rings. And it's, it's a personal reflection that talks about characters and vices and virtues and how we could apply them in today's world, the rings of power in our society today. But at the same time, that really drew me into the imagination of what does a fantasy or, or a fictional world tell us, reveal to ourselves about ourselves? And that's what really got me looking back into, where's the beginning here? 
what what does the beginning look like? When did human imagination kind of take that spark of self-reflection and begin to decide or think they knew who they are in relation to creation in general? Creation stories, um, ourselves as beings of worth, you know, that we started creating laws, rules of behavior. All of that was in the kind of the back of the mind without actually trying to spell it out, but just kind of exploring what does humanity mean to ourselves as we developed, as we grew. Well, I'm curious, how did you balance a writing career while raising eight children and homeschooling those children? <laughs> well, I always joke around and say the writing kept me sane because it gave me a, a outlet for dealing with the crisis of the moment, whatever's going on. Of course, we had eight children, and shortly after I had my eighth, when she was only a few months old, my husband, who had been the you know the biggest supporter in my life, in my children's life, in our family, in our little homestead that we have, uh, he came down with leukemia out of the blue. And we live a very, very kind of back to nature kind of existence, you know, our own garden. We were, uh, he actually got a cow and we were making cheese and milking the cow and all of that. So uh, suddenly be hit with cancer or such a virulent kind of cancer that he got. It was a totally unexpected, out of the blue reality. And he fought it with everything he had for those next four years. Well, that's when I was beginning to write. And the writing helped me reflect on the unexpected, on death, on where does a person go after they die. Even though I have a religious background, and as I am a Catholic, I was raised a Catholic, but I also have a great understanding or a great appreciation, I should say, of other faith and of people of no faith. My my father was has been a life was lifelong atheist. My mother was a Catholic, but at the same time. I also was brought up with people from different cultures. My mom rented rooms to foreign students. So I was brought up with people from China, from the Middle East, from Africa, from South America. So I appreciate the fact that our larger understanding of our existence can come to us from many, many different avenues. And I love that about the human experience and about our in engagement with each other, that we can widen each other's views. So my husband was that person who supported me, and here he is, you know, suffering and dying, quite literally, mm. from a disease. But the books, the writing, gave me a place through characters not to tell anybody, this is how it's done, or this is how you're supposed to deal with this, but more to reveal to myself, to reveal through um, characterization all of our joint struggles to deal with the unexpected, to deal with the tragic, to deal with the, the balrogs of our lives, those monsters in the closet that come out at night and haunt our sleep, that really we do have to deal with. And we have to get up in the morning. We have to go to work. We have to take care of our families. We have to do the necessary jobs. How do we do that and not give in when we feel, you know, totally despairing that we aren't going to get what we want when something really important is going to be lost to us. 
And I think that is what art is. That's what art, art in writing, art in painting, art in sculpture, art in movies, that's what it offers us. It offers us a glimpse of something that kind of gives us a helping hand. We're not alone here. We're all struggling. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Overdraft fees are just the worst. Get up to $200 in fee-free overdraft with a Chime checking account. Sign up today at chime.com slash goals24. Banking services and debit card provided by the Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Well, I'm curious about your writing process as you're working on a novel. Do you outline the novel extensively or do you uh, dive into the narrative and just see where it takes you? Well, originally it was very much character-based. I had a character and I really liked this character and I was taking him on a particular journey. There was an end point, but I had no idea how we were going to get there. And then new characters would intrigue me and they would come out. So one of the things I started to do early on, and you'll see it on my website, akfraley.com, is on Fridays, I have I used to have just short stories or background stories. Now I have poetry and I have stories and I have book excerpts. Uh, but those stories basically were character background stories where I would write some conflict that this character was going through was working out. And it gave me an understanding of who this character was. And that gave me the kind of know-how to move the novel into a workable zone. This is a character moving through these steps to figure something out, to solve a crisis, a problem. As I've gone back and rewritten, and then as I've moved into other novels and I've gone into the New Earth world, there was a book, Last of a Kind, which became The Fulcrum. It's a contemporary science fiction novel. And then I moved into the New Earth world. They're all characters that are descendants of the original uh, five books, descendants of Melchior. And those, as I go along, I'm doing more outlining because I they're complicated and they have a lot of different branches. So I do a little bit more outlining in that I know where certain uh, 
subplots need to go. And then at the same time, I have more of a sense of that I really, really need to hammer down the environment. Science fiction, you got to hammer that environment because otherwise readers are left going, I, I don't know where you are. I don't know what this looks like. So I really, really focus on creating the physical environment, not just the plot line story, but the physical environment, even the time and the season to give people a comfortable place to be and they know what's going on, even though it's a new world. Well, I'm curious, are you working on another novel now? Yes, I am. So I have The Five Old Earth, and then I have Last of a Kind, and Last of a Kind is actually being made into an audiobook as we speak. Um, and so that one is going to be hopefully finished by the end of October. And that audiobook, Last of a Kind, should be available, plus, of course, so the paperbacks and Kindle copies. Um, and then I have The New Earth, Justine Awakens, which branches right out of Last of Her Kind. And then from there, I just completed New Earth, A Hero's Crime. And I am now working on New Earth Progeny, which is, again, another, it's based on one of the characters whose main focus, but it has the original character. So there's a lot of familiarity with that. So yeah, that one, and this this one, as I'm working on Progeny, I am very much hammering on, okay, this is where I need to get to. So there is a structure and there is also a lot of real emphasis on making sure the environment is clear for readers. That's great. Well, what writing advice would you offer for, for those who are working on their own stories or novels? Well, uh, even though I don't read a lot of his work, Stephen uh, King, I believe it is, wrote a really excellent novel on writing, on how to write. He uses a lot more cuss words than I would ever use, but his information is actually very valid. The whole idea of especially creating an environment that you don't need to describe the kitchen table because most people have experience with kitchen tables. But if you're talking about something that's completely new, then you need to go into more detail. And not over-explaining to an audience information that they already know. There's a lot of filler. So he has some very good information that uh, also a basic grammar book that hits on the information of making sure that your structure is clear, your writing is clear. Granted, characters may have dialogue that uses a lot of slang or whatever reflects their personal um, situation. But it's very important for the author themselves to recognize there are certain rules of English that will help make the reading clear for re the, uh, the story clear for readers. I do a lot of editing for uh, the different publishers. And as I edit, I am reminded constantly that people know what they're trying to say, but if they get the, the story out of sync or the sentence out of order, it can come across as very confusing, even absurd, and not what they mean at all. So structure of English writing, a basic grammar book will help out. Uh, that's one thing. You can break the rules, but just make sure you know the rules so that your reading, your writing is clear and readers can understand what you're saying. Um, those are two very helpful 
you know, tips that I would give. Well, what books have you read recently that you enjoyed? Um, actually, I've been rereading some of the the old books that I read to the kids, the Narnias, the Tolkien books, um, the Anne of Green Gables, just because they're so vivid. They're, again, their environments are so vivid. And that helps to spark my imagination, my, my mind in the colors of different environments. Um, I've also done read a, a book called uh, Your Brain on Music, which was very interesting because it talks a lot about the science and data of how human beings respond to music. And there's a lot of interesting new information coming about how our minds work and the effects of what we hear and listen to and the sounds uh, effect on our mood and on our psyche. And I thought that was very interesting. And it really sparked some train of thoughts that um, that help. Basically, the more engaged you are in learning about new things, whatever strikes your fancy, it could be uh, biology, it could be the study of plants, it could be, you know, going out in the garden and listening to what's out in nature or, you know, going to your favorite band. But something that continuously sparks your engagement in learning that's one of the best ways, I think, to keep yourself sharp for writing vividly, clearly, engaging in new conversations through your writing so that you're not just repeating, you know, the same old thing. You're, you're engaging in some new explorations. Well, where can people find you online if they'd like to learn more about you and your novels? Um, akfraley.com. It's my website. I have all my books on there. You can also go to my Amazon page. Just look up A.K. Fraley on Amazon. And my books are on there. And my bio and all my information, uh, interviews I've done, things like that, um, are all available. I even have a YouTube channel. Like I said, I have four books that will be coming out on Audible, hopefully by the end of October. Uh, two of them are science fiction. Homestead, it's a standalone, and then Last of a Kind. I also have two the two nonfictions, which is The Road Goes Ever On, my uh, A Christian Journey Through the Lord of the Rings, and then I have a self-reflection book that is about my personal journey raising kids as a widow in a homeschooling environment. It's called My Road Goes Ever On, Spiritual Brain, a Human Journey. So those are all available, and they'll be all on Audible pretty soon. That's great. Well, again, we've been speaking with A.K. Fraley, author of the new novel, Old Earth, Melchior Encounter. The novel is on sale now, so go buy a copy. And A.K., thanks for doing this interview. I appreciate it. Thank you so much, Jeff. Have a wonderful weekend. Wonderful. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. 
by working more efficiently, by using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.